the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So you've got to decide, do I embrace that? Do, do I embrace the providence of God that even when I don't understand, even when I can't see his hand, even when I don't know the plan, I will trust his heart because he is good. He's faithful. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. We've been in the book of Genesis looking at the life of Joseph. Let's continue today in Genesis 42, verse 1. When Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you look at one another? (laughs) Now, I want to stop here before I back up and tell you how we got here. Don't you love that phrase, a father to his sons? I I think I probably heard that through the years, son. What are you looking at? Why are you just standing there? You seem aimless. And Jacob's looking at his sons in the midst of a famine. And he says, why are you just standing there? Do something. How how did we get here? How did we get to this point? Remember, we were introduced to Joseph, who the Bible told us was a dreamer. His brothers didn't like the fact that he dreamed. They didn't like the dreams that he had, so they threw him in a pit, and and then they kind of taunted him and said, see, now what will become of your dreams? And and that's a question we've been asking too, right? What will become of your dreams? If God places something within you, will you pull it out? Will you draw it out for for your good and, and for his glory? So Joseph went from that pit on a caravan to Egypt, and he ended up in a man named Potiphar's house, and things were good until Potiphar's wife began to come after him and seduce him, and so he had to flee, leaving yet another coat behind, and she accused him still, and, and he ended up in prison. So from the pit to Potiphar's house to to prison, and there in prison, he encounters a couple of guys who also have dreams. He interprets those dreams, and and after a couple of years, he ends up before Pharaoh because Pharaoh had some dreams. You see, God plants dreams in our heart, and those dreams allow us to fulfill that purpose for which he has placed us here. And so when Joseph interpreted the, the dreams of Pharaoh, Pharaoh saw that God's hand was on this man. In fact, he said, how could we find anybody else who has the spirit of God like this guy? And so he elevated him to what was basically governor of Egypt. And he he put him over all of the program that Joseph said would be necessitated. In fact, in the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream, Joseph told him that there was going to be a famine in the land. And that God gave this dream to Pharaoh so that Egypt would be prepared. And that's where we are in Genesis 42 and verse 1. 
Joseph's now in charge of distributing food in the midst of the famine. Look again at verse 1. That gives it meaning, right? When Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt, he said to his sons, he was not in Egypt, he was in Canaan, and he said to his son, why do you look at one another? Remember what we said? When God gives you a dream, he will give you everything you need for that dream to be accomplished for his glory. All you have to do is be ready. Are you ready? God was working. Joseph's brothers were about to to go to Egypt where God had positioned Joseph. And God's at work in and around you. You've got to ask this question. Am I getting in on what God is doing? And that's how you know and do the will of God. You, You see where he's at work. You watch him at work. It's been 22 years since Joseph's brothers left him in that pit. 22 years. They threw him in the pit, and now they show up in the palace. And the famine causes Joseph's brothers to come to Egypt to seek help. And isn't it interesting that God has positioned the very person they offended to be the one that would deliver them? As they stand before Joseph. There, there's some things we need to understand if, if we want to be ready uh, for our dreams to be realized, to get in on what God's doing. And here's the first thing. You need to deal with your past. Now right there, I've already shook some of you up. You need to deal with your past. Everybody, everywhere has a past. I tell you often, it's just like that little roller bag that you see people pulling behind them when you walk through an airport. Everybody's got one. And if you're not careful, your past will haunt you in your dreams and it will hinder you from your dreams. So you have to decide, well, what am I going to do about my past? And boy, as we begin to go through some pictures after my dad's death, well, it just it, it can be enjoyable to look at the past. I saw this picture of my dad as he was in the Marines in Korea. We found this whole album from that time we had never seen before. Man, what a good-looking Marine he was. And then we found this picture of my mom from ninth grade. Wow, she was a looker. But you talk about looker, check out the guy in the red coat in this next one. It's me with my brother and my dad. Now those are three Purvis men right there. It can be fun to look at our past. And you know what I've noticed is some people struggle with their past. I think Joseph was that way because Joseph had a plan concerning his past. His plan was to forget it. His plan was to release the past. How do you know that? We have to go back to Genesis 41 and and Genesis 41 and 51. Listen to what it says. Joseph called the name of his firstborn, Manasseh. For, he said, God has made me forget all of the hardship in all of my father's house. So what it's saying is Manasseh, that that name literally means God makes me forget my past. Joseph wanted to release his past. Just put it behind me. But God had a different plan. God wanted to redeem his past. Maybe you need to be reminded of this truth today. God wants to redeem your past for his glory. 
So how are you dealing with your past? What are you doing with your past? Have you understood that our God is a God who makes all things new? Some people long for the past. Some people live in the past. God wants you to learn from the past so that you may experience what Jesus does for you. He makes you a new creation. I would just ask you today, very quickly, has, has God redeemed your past? Have you allowed him to take those hurts and pains, as well as the victories and the celebration, and use them for his glory? So what happens when Joseph's brothers come to him? Well, instantly the Bible says he recognizes them, they don't recognize him. So he develops this plot that really lasts for three whole chapters in Genesis. We're not going to read all of those chapters. I would encourage you to go back and do that. All of Genesis 42, 43, and 44. And and in that plot, here's what Joseph does. He says, I'll give you this food, but you're going to have to leave one of your brothers with me and and so they pay for the food. One of the brothers named Simeon stays, but Joseph has a little plot. He, he puts their money back in their bags so it would look like they stole it. They see that and he, they panic. Joseph also tells them, hey, bring back your younger brother, which they knew that wasn't good because that was the real brother of Joseph, the, the son of Rachel, the, the love of Jacob, the father's life. And they knew that would be bad. So they get back to dad. He's in a panic because he now lost another son, Simeon. And now they're saying they want to take the son, Benjamin. It is a mess. But after they run out of food, guess what happens? Jacob says, okay, take the other son. So they go see, they see Joseph a second time. Joseph recognizes them again and the plot thickens. And several times, I think seven times in these chapters, it says Joseph has to step away and he weeps. He's moved. He has a guttural compassion for his family, for his brothers. All of this comes to a head in Genesis 45. Listen as we read these few verses together. Then Joseph could not control himself before all who stood by him. And he cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him. When Joseph made known to his brothers and he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? (laughs) But his brothers could not answer him for for they were dismayed at his presence. So Joseph said to his brothers, come come near to me, please. And they came near and, and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold in Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourself because you sold me here for God sent you, sent me before you to preserve life for the famine has been in the land these two years and, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest and, and God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth to keep alive for, for you many survivors. So it was not that you sent me here, but God He has made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord to all his house and a ruler over all the land of Egypt. So hurry and go to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. Wow. Joseph understood something you have to understand if you're going to see your dreams come true. You got to deal with your past. 
But he sets up something else I need you to get here. That's the second thing. You need to embrace God's providence. You need to embrace God's providence. Three times during the verses I just read, it says, God sent me here. You didn't send me. You tried to throw me in a pit, but it's God who put me in a palace. It's God's hand that has worked. Everybody, everywhere, eventually will come to the place where you have to decide, do you believe in and trust God's sovereignty and his providence? If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the Watch tab at MissionHillChurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at MissionHillChurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. God is so in charge, He's so in control, that He either causes or allows everything you experience. In other words, nothing touches you without having first filtered through the hand of a sovereign God. Listen to Psalms 33, verse 10. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of the heart to all generations. Or Proverbs 19, 20, 21, one of the many Proverbs that talks about this. Many are the plans in the mind of man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. The providence of God. I, I, I heard Tony Evans describe the providence of God this way. He said it's the hand of God in the glove of history. So, so you may think something's happened over, over there and God is absent, but God is at work. Or you may think you're over here and God is not with you, but God is at work. Another one of those proverbs says, we make our plans, but it's God who directs our path. So you've got to decide, do I embrace that? Do, do I embrace the providence of God that even when I don't understand, even when I can't see his hand, even when I don't know the plan, I will trust his heart because he is good. He's faithful. I want you to think about that I did it there. Are you trusting God's sovereignty? And maybe you would just make some declarations. Maybe you would say, God is sovereign in every location. That as you try to live for him, where he sends you will be perfect. God is sovereign in every location. Maybe you would say this, another declaration. God is sovereign in every situation. In every situation, whatever happens, he's not caught off guard. Maybe you'd say this, God is sovereign with all the information. (laughs) He already knows that which you don't know. And he's got you. Embrace the providence of God. One of the memories that I'll hold on to for the rest of my life was a more recent conversation with my dad before he had the stroke that eventually took his life. I remember exactly where I was driving in the car on Fowler Avenue, and I was frustrated about something. I don't know what it was. It doesn't matter. And my dad, 
He said, well, it'll all work out. And it was one of those moments where I did not want to hear that. And maybe you've been there. Now, I'm the son of a preacher. My sons are the sons of preachers. Sometimes you don't want to be preached to. Sometimes you don't want to hear what you may know is true. And and I said, Dad, I'm just not sure. Sometimes it doesn't work out. God's always good, but sometimes it doesn't work out. And, And I have to tell you, my dad was right. It does always work out. I mean, that, that's the biblical promise, right? Romans eight twenty eight, And we know for those who love God, all things, say that right where you are. And that's probably your family around you. They're not going to think you're crazy. Just say that. All things, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, when you're seeking to live out his purpose, his dreams in your life, all things work together for good. So that leads me to that next thing you need to do. You, you need to discover your purpose. If all things work together for good to those who are living according to his purpose, you need to discover his purpose for your life. And Joseph had done that. Look at verse forty. Chapter 45, verse 5 again. Now do not be distressed or or angry with me yourselves because you sold me here. Why? For God sent me here, notice this, before you to preserve life. That's the why. Why was Joseph in the pit? To preserve life. Why was he accused by Potiphar's wife? To preserve life. Why was he sent to prison to preserve life? God in his providential hand was working all throughout Joseph's life for a very clear purpose. And I need you to understand something. There is a why in your life story too. You may not have detected it yet. Someone else may not know it. But what you want to do is discover your why. There are no accidents. You're here on purpose for a purpose. What is your why? The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. I love this quote I came across from Bob Goff. It says, if our lives are filled with purpose, we won't be distracted looking for everyone's approval. You need to discover your purpose. You need to make a decision to live on purpose for your good and for his glory, but you always need to know it's bigger than you. God's purpose for you is never going to be about you. I know that because I fast forwarded in our story. Listen to Genesis 50 verse 20. As for you, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. We're going to come back to this next week as we wrap all this up. And that's one of the more famous verses of the Bible. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. But why? That's the purpose. The purpose is the why. To bring about that many people should be kept alive. Did you know that God's working his purpose out in your life for that same reason? Think about this. The dream in your heart could be divinely sensed for the deliverance of many Wherever you are, whatever you look like, wherever you were born, I believe God created you on purpose, for a purpose, so that you might further his glory to the nations. So are you doing that? Or are you being a witness in, in your corner of the world? Are you, you praying that people that don't know Christ around the world know him? Or are you giving so that the world might hear the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you living for the deliverance of many? 
Remember what I told you, those four things that you have to be aware of, those four things that, that can guide your life, your, your past. God's providence, your purpose, and then this fourth one. You, you need to experience God's pardon. Now we're going to camp out even more here next week, but I, I don't want you to miss the beauty of, of this story of Joseph. The beauty of the story is found in this reality that Joseph forgave his brothers. He pardoned them. And that's important because we've already said that Joseph is a type of Christ. In other words, he points us to Jesus. And just as Joseph's brothers needed that pardon, we must have the pardon of Jesus. And in fact, I believe you'll never realize God's dreams until you've been forgiving and you become forgiving. So, so have you been forgiven? And maybe you need to ask this question. Have you discovered your need for forgiveness? I've stood right here in this room at an event and I found out later someone got mad because as I shared the truth of God's word, they said that, that pastor said that I was a sinner. <laughs> and I did. Because that's what the Bible says. We've all sinned. We've all missed God's mark. We've fallen short of his glory. We're all in need of God's forgiveness. Have you experienced his forgiveness? An interesting thing happens. In fact, an amazing thing in Genesis 42. Let me read this to you, beginning in verse 18. On the third day, we're backing up in the story now, Joseph said to them, do this and you will live, for, for I fear God. And, and, and that's great because really that's a question that people all around the world still have. What do I need to do to live? And Joseph says, if you're honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined where you're in custody. Let the rest go and carry grain for the famine of your households. Bring your youngest brother to me so that your words will be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. Then they said to one another, in truth, we are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come against us. And Reuben answered and said to them, did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? But you did not listen. So now there comes a reckoning for his blood. I told, told you an amazing thing happened in Genesis 42. What was the amazing thing? You begin to see conviction in, in the lives of these brothers and that conviction leads to an attitude of repentance and, and that repentance is what sets them up for forgiveness, and, and that's the same pathway that, that you and I have. That's why Joseph would say to them, don't, don't be angry or, or distressed among yourself. Why? Because they'd experienced forgiveness. What about you? Did, did you know that that's what this is all about? 
All of the Bible, the entirety of scriptures is God's love letter to you to make it clear that you, like I, you were born separated from God because of that sin in your life. Not just what you've done, it's who you are. And that sin will keep you from your dreams. It will keep you from God's best. It will keep you from all that God created you for unless you allow him to deal with it. Because sin has to be punished. So either you're going to be punished or... Are you going to trust some punishment that God arranged for you? Do you understand that? The Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, he was doing that at the hand of God because God arranged his death in place of your death and in place of my death. Jesus died for your sin and for my sin. He died and took our punishment so that we don't have to be punished. Instead, he died so that we could be forgiven. Have you experienced the forgiveness of God? You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to MissionHillChurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at MissionHillChurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.